Hey, this is Nick DiMatteo from Music Is Not A Genre. I just wanted to take a minute to talk to you about the service I use to record and distribute my podcasts. If you haven't heard about Anchor, let me tell you from experience, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Here's why. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So please take a moment out. If you are planning to create, record, and distribute podcasts, take a look at Anchor. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hi, I'm Nick DiMatteo, and welcome to week 205 and video episode number 31 of... You thought the video paused there, didn't you, or glitched, but it didn't. I was pausing right there because up until now, I've done 204 posts and 30 video episodes of something called the Thursday Throwback Track 4T. Uh, well, we're doing a whole bunch of changes behind the scenes and for all of you. And one of those things is I am officially renaming this podcast, Music Is Not A Genre, uh, to better encompass the whole idea of uh, my YouTube page. And it's all based on uh, and all of the things that are on the page and, and, and how they all connect. And it's all based on a project that I started a few years ago called Music Is Not A Genre which had to do with the fact that I am um, a, a singer, songwriter, and performer who, who likes to uh, genre jump. And it's, you know, uh, little known or maybe open secret that uh, people in the industry and frankly a whole lot of fans don't like that. Um, people like uh, to know what they're getting. They, they like their expectations to be fulfilled. And when something doesn't quite fit a category, it kind of gets to them, you know? Um, but I'll tell you this, there are a lot of people, me included, and I would say many, many, many of you who aren't confined by genres or labels, whether in music or in real life. And that's good because the further we get away from trying to very narrowly define something, the more we can see the connections between things. And you know, I end every podcast with the objective other than music being conversation and connection. Well, the whole idea of music is not a genre kind of is kind of what started all that, or it's what made all of that gel, what made all the ideas that I've had my entire life as a musician gel. So that's kind of the long and short of why this is now called Music Is Not A Genre, and it's video episode number 31. And um, as you can see, next to me, this fetching young woman with an ice cream cone is on the cover of 20 Rockin' Originals. And this is volume two, by the way. Uh, this was released in 1975. Volume one was released in 1973. So when I picked this out, I've been seeing this in my collection for years because I've had it since it came out. And I think I got it or my parents got it for me because um, they were very much into music of the 50s and early 60s. And it was a great way to kind of introduce me to it. And there were songs that they liked on it, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, I know, based on the fact that this thing is torn to shreds, it, it's not even basically a sleeve anymore, that I listened to it over and over. I, I killed it, you know. Um, 
But oddly enough, uh, I re-listened to this online. I didn't remember a lot of it, um, or, or I thought I did, but I didn't quite. So that's why if you read below, the title of my text is Not How I Remember It. And it's because the, the idea that came to me on this is this. We, and this is not a revelation, we forget way more in life than we ever remember or will ever remember. That's just a fact of life as individuals, as a family, as a society, uh, the world in general. But I'll go even further than that and I'll say that we actually misremember far more than we recall accurately. We, we overwrite our memories with the emotions that we have uh, of that whatever it is, the song or the event in our lives or a person based on not only what happened then, but how we feel while we're remembering it and everything that happened in between. We're our own little kind of life chroniclers and, and our takes on the world are all completely unique. It's amazing to me um, that, and that's why I think connection is so important that we can somehow still all come together. And so many of us in our various camps can see the world in relatively the same way, considering really every single perspective is is unique is is in, in fact i i would say even very unique um and i read this um book uh, a few months ago by a sci-fi author ted chang and one of his short stories is called the truth of fact the truth of fiction truth of feeling sorry and um it had to do with the future and they created a device that could record every single memory in your head so that you could go back and see it as it was and it was also making the point that people misremember things um but it, you know short of something like that being invented that's just that's just life that's just how it's going to be so uh, you know the, the weird thing though is with music you would think oh it's got to be easier to remember because it's a song, it's recorded, whatever. No, no, no. In fact, I don't think it's any, I think it's about the same as life itself. The, I think the only thing that's easier about something like music or, or a quote in a film, you always see those lists online where it's like, here's something that never, like, uh, I don't know, um, Humphrey Bogart, play it again, Sam. He never said that, you know, things like that. There, there are quotes we think came from films that we just created after the fact because we think they were better maybe, we're, we're our own editors, you know. Well, that's the same with a recorded song, it's the same with music, you know. And, and you know, again, the only advantage is you can look it up and say, oh, wow, I remembered that wrong, or I remember it accurately. And that's what happened when I was listening to this. And there are, hmm, how many songs on this? 20. And what do they do? They rock. And uh, I, as I was listening, my mind just started to classify the songs into three categories, songs, that I had little or no memory of or interest in, frankly, such as a song called A Rose and Baby Ruth. Please somebody tell me that you know and love that song and that was like your favorite because I don't remember it and I know I listened to it at some point. Number two, songs I remember vividly, whether I like them or not, such as Earth Angel, which was always one of my favorites and the way I remember it is the way it, it sounded as a recording, or Hey Paula, which was not my favorite, uh, although I have to check my own memory of it being my favorite or not because I believe when I was a kid I actually did like it a lot. And now it's only in hindsight where I'm like, please don't, you know. And so it's another perfect example of how memory is faulty. Third category, songs that I like and know well, 
but I remembered them very differently in some, you know, and I wouldn't say completely wrong, but um, wrong enough that I was like, oh my God, where's the part that I remember? And, and a great example would, uh, I'm actually going to talk about um, a little bit later. So of the 20 songs on here, slightly more than half were in the categories one and three where I didn't remember them the way I thought they were, didn't remember them at all, one or the other. And I think it's because, as we're saying, human memory is super subjective and faulty. And we, you know, overwrite our memories based on the things that have happened in between, you know. And part of that is hearing cover versions of a song, hearing live versions of a song, hearing a song in a different context, even on a different sound system. Like, oh, I only heard it on this, and then you hear it on another one, and you're like, I didn't hear that part of it, or it didn't sound that way. And, and the cool thing about that for a musician is that then this song lives in your memory as its own unique version of it. So if I ever decide to, let's say, cover a song, I can pull from that version and me thinking, oh, it's going to sound like the recording, and it turns out it's just my own kind of unique, unique take on it. It gives you ideas. It gives, as a writer, it's part of what's great about listening is listening to other songs give you ideas of how to create your own. You know, um, so and and I mean all see all and all of that is okay. You know, and again, it's, it is kind of cool that you can go back and listen to the recording and find out what things you were right and wrong about. Uh, for example, when I listened to the song, We Ain't Got Nothing Yet, I was like, wait a minute, this, yeah, I know this song, but it doesn't sound like this. I thought it was a lot harder. Well, it turns out, I looked it up, it's a riff that was used in a previous song, but then it was used in a subsequent song by the band Deep Purple. And I somehow meshed the song We Ain't Got Nothing Yet with the way Deep Purple recorded the riff and thought that We Ain't Got Nothing Yet was a harder rocking song than it actually was. And it's an awesome song anyway. It was one of my favorites from this, actually. Um, quite different from a lot of the other stuff on there. Uh, or another example, when I listened to Silhouettes, Silhouettes on the Shade and all that, I, um, I was like, no, this isn't right. Something's not right. So I, I looked up every single cover version and I listened to all the cover versions and none of them were right either. And it turns out, and this is the only answer I can come up with, I think the version I have in my head is the one that my dad sang hundreds or thousands of times. He, he is and was a, um, you know, a, a working musician whose most of his career was based on uh, cover tunes. Um, and it, it was this, it was that the second chord in the song in every single version was, was a major fourth. And I swear to God that my dad used a minor fourth. And that's that one little change where I was like, that doesn't sound right to me. But somehow through my history, I overwrote the recording and thought, well, that's how the recording is. Or that's how one of the damn recordings were. But none of them were. Um, which I just find cool and interesting. And, you know, it just shows there was something in my dad that was like, I, this this chord needs to be like this. So even doing a cover that's pretty darn faithful to the original, you're going to make some changes, either on purpose or by accident, that can that can work. Um, but you know, I could be wrong about all this because you know memory and how bad it is. Uh, all right, so I guess I should get to talking about the actual music itself. So you know, there's a reason why I sort of changed the subject this week and. 
it's not because I don't respect this music or, or it doesn't mean a lot to me because I grew up with it in a way that I'm sure a lot of people did, but in some ways that people didn't because my dad performed it and I performed it with him so, so much. My dad and my, my brother would perform sometimes. And, and, and so in that way, it means a lot to me. But if anybody else remembers the 1970s or frankly, part of the 1980s or so many other periods in the last several decades, nostalgia for the 50s and early 60s has just run, it's run rampant. And it was insane only 10 to 12 years after the 50s ended. You had things like, you know, the original uh, Grease, the, you know, the, the stage, the musical, uh, the band Sha Na Na, which was at frickin' Woodstock. So they were already a nostalgia band before even the 60s ended. They were a nostalgia band for the 50s, you know. So it was just, it was completely insane. That's why this was volume two, two disc, and volume one was a two disc. They knew this Pickwick, this company who put this out, which, by the way, um, I believe started out in Long Island City, which is kind of where we are broadcasting from right now. Um, they knew that this would sell really well. What they also had to know was you can't get the top tier songs if you don't have a lot of money. So these were all kind of second tier, mostly doo-wop songs from the mid to late 50s and early 60s with some uh, also sound-alike bands, such as the Hondells, um, which the song, sound like the Beach Boys, the song they sang here was written by them, actually, the Beach Boys. Or Tommy Rowe sounds so much like Buddy Holly, but a couple of years after Buddy Holly died. And then you have some outliers that really don't sound like anything else on here, like that song, We Ain't Got Nothing Yet, or the song Walk Away Renee, which because they kind of skew towards the you know mid-60s, or I think I'm a little bit more favorite for me, um, but that's just how I roll. And it's, and it's partly, this, it kind of makes me sad that music that is this good and this powerful, you can get this tired of. But, you know, when you, when you grow up in a culture that is just constant nostalgia, it's, they'll do it to you. But then again, you know, I'll forget all this someday and I'll love it all again because memory, you know. Um, but, but it did have a big influence on me, especially... Uh, the harmonies that was huge because I loved harmonizing with my dad and I and he in the songs that he recorded he did a lot of harmony and he prized harmony above a lot of other things um, so uh, you know I learned to get very good at it and to put a lot of it into my work um, so much of my work almost every single song I've recorded has harmony and some has just layered and layered harmonies so uh, rather than cite 75 songs I will point to one of my new ones off of an EP that I just released recently called Sympathy for the Weird. Uh, and it's the opening track and it's called Final Call. And when you listen to that, you will hear harmonies from the get-go, first of all. And they're kind of ethereal in some ways. They're, they're intricate in some places, simple in others. They have a bit of a uh, reaching for the stars, kind of Beach Boysy kind of thing or a doo-wop kind of thing, but in the context of a song that sounds nothing like that. And, and again, you know, don't want to be confined to a genre. That's something I like to do is kind of mix those things up. So um, uh, the link to that is below in the text. Read my alternate version of what I just said, the text. Uh, click on that link. Listen to the song. Share it. It takes you right to my band Rex page. So uh, you'll, you'll get to see that page as well. And uh, click on the YouTube playlist that I made of these 20 rock and originals which is um, 
it's unlisted, but it's on my uh, main Music Is Not A Genre YouTube site, and that'll give you an opportunity, hopefully, to subscribe, because that will be the easiest way for you to know when these videos come out and to stay in touch with me, uh, because as always, my objective, other than music, is conversation and connection. Thank you for listening, thank you for watching, thank you for reading, thank you for clicking, thank you for sharing, thank you for subscribing, and I'll see you next week. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.